0: Well, good morning again. to Benton, Welcome to Bentonville Community Church. Friends, He is risen. I think most of you were ready for that, but I'm going to give everyone else a chance now. He is risen. All right, I think we got everybody that time. That is the good news of today. That is the good news that we're celebrating, that Christ has risen. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. And friend, let me, let me just share with you, I was, I was standing over there waiting to, um, to come out here and do this thing that I do, and uh, I just began to be overwhelmed by the weight of this moment. Here's a room full of people who have not gathered to celebrate the resurrection in two years, and um, I noticed that the shadow of the cross was on me as I was standing over there, and that was the Lord's way of saying, just hide behind the cross. Hide behind the cross, and you're going to be okay today, and I'm going to accomplish what I want to do if you'll hide behind the cross. So would you just pray with me as, as we jump into this good news story? Uh, let's pray together, friends. Father, we are here to celebrate this good news that the, the tomb is empty, that you have conquered all things on our behalf. Father, I pray in these moments together you would help this story to come alive for us like it never has before. I pray that our lives would be transformed. Lord, may all of us hide behind your cross. It is on the cross that you defeated every enemy. It's on the cross you won every victory that would ever be needed for us. And through your resurrection, You conquered all things for us. May we rest in that knowledge today. Now may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, you are our rock. You are our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So two years. We have not gathered to celebrate the resurrection in two years, but we did so online last year. And just so you know, What we do today is not special. This is actually what we do every Sunday. We proclaim that Christ is risen, and because he lives, our lives can be transformed, and we can have meaning and purpose. But today is special because it is that day that we commemorate Christ's victory over death. And I was just thinking about the last year that we've been through. I'm so glad that we're able together. I'm looking out at you, even though you look like you're about to rob a bank, we are here and we are gathered as the people of God, and we're celebrating. Um, but this has been a very, very different year. Some of the things, one of the things that has helped us get through the pandemic is uh, the entertainment options available to us. We've watched things on Netflix that maybe we not would not normally have watched, and um, those have carried us through some of these long days of quarantine. I was thinking about what Disney did for us. They took the Broadway musical Hamilton, and they brought it to the small screen. And um, that uh, uh, was—our family certainly enjoyed watching that. And uh, we also have the soundtrack. It has been our companion on a few road trips this past year. And whenever we're listening to the soundtrack on a road trip, um, you know, the kids will be on their devices, or Lauren will be sleeping or whatever, and I'll be driving, And all of a sudden, when this song comes on, everybody comes alive. All of a sudden, everybody in the car is singing, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I could keep going. I could keep going if you want me to. But um, but that's probably not the best use of our time today. But somewhere in the list of things we've used to make it through the pandemic is this made-for-TV adaptation of the Broadway production of Hamilton, and it's loosely based on the life of Alexander Hamilton. And for those of you who aren't into history, I'll tell you who Alexander Hamilton is. This guy, right here, this guy. Uh, he's on a $10 bill, and, uh, and, and, uh, but we don't carry cash anymore, so you wouldn't know that either, um, but he is portrayed, at least, again, it's loosely based on his life. He's portrayed as an underdog. His story is told as an underdog, as this guy who has a chip on his shoulder. He's gonna make something of himself, he's not gonna throw away his shot. And, you know, if the Federalist Papers are any indication, he did a pretty good job of making his shot count. Um, he wrote them like he was running out of time, but he gave himself to the task and established the treasury system. And, I mean, he's got his face on a piece of U.S. currency. Most of us would say he did something with his life. He made his shot count. But as I was thinking about his life, I, I, I think having your face on a piece of U.S. currency is little consolation to having Aaron Burr's musket bullet in your chest. And if I gave it away for you, you've only had 235 years to read that story, okay? So I'm not really feeling bad about that. But it's a little consolation to die in a duel. Did he really make his shot count? Did a lot of great things, but did his shot really count? What about you? Are you making your shot count? Are you making these moments that we have, this short amount of time that we have on planet Earth, are you making it count? I don't have any delusions of of my face being on a piece of U.S. currency. I don't think they'll ever write a Broadway production of my life. Um, But uh, I think about the brevity of life. And I think about what I'm doing to make my life count. And there's something in all of us. Friends, there's something in all of us that makes that desperately wants our shot to count. We want our moment to count. We know it's short, or at least I hope you know it's short, and we want it to count for eternity. And on this Easter Sunday, I want to introduce you to a character in the Gospels. He plays a prominent role in all four gospels, all four stories of Jesus. And he has a chip on his shoulder, and he sort of... Is portrayed as an underdog. And there's something in his life that he's desperately wanting his life to count. He's wanting to find meaning and he's wanting to find purpose. We're introduced to Peter very early on in the story of Jesus. He's by the Sea of Galilee and he's mending his nets. He's a fisherman. And Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, follow me. I want you to be my disciple. And it's amazing to us that that Jesus would choose. Peter, a fisherman. It's a very common, a very ordinary, a very normal uh, 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 job in these days. This is the guy that dropped out of rabbinical school to go fish. This is the guy who regularly gets into fights down at the local watering hole. This is not a guy that you would want to choose to follow you if you're a prominent rabbi and you're trying to begin a movement. But Jesus not only chose him later in the gospel story, You know, his name was originally Simon. He said, no, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Petros or Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Oh, Peter, this was your shot. This is your shot, Peter. Make it count. Don't throw it away. So we fast forward a year and Jesus is with his disciples and he's performed some miracles at this point and people are, he's beginning to grow in popularity and he's with the other disciples and, and, and he says to them, who is it that people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're this and some say you're a prophet. And, and Jesus says, no, what about you, disciples, you guys that have been with me, you guys who have been by my side for the last year? Who is it that you say that I am? And of course, Peter, the rock. He's the first to reply, you are the Christ." You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And it was the right answer. And Jesus praises him for the right answer. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because these things were not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but were revealed to you by my father. Oh, if Jesus could say that to me one day, if I get an answer right in Bible trivia, it would be amazing. Oh, Mark, son of Dana and Roxy, these things were not revealed to you by flesh and blood that would be amazing. It would be amazing. He gets the right answer. And then Jesus says, let me tell you what it means to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Let me tell you what that means. It means I'm going to be falsely accused. It means I am going to surrender to these false accusations. It means that I am willingly going to stand in a mock trial. It means that I am willingly going to surrender myself to the Roman authorities. It means that I'm going to be on a Roman cross. It means that I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised to new life. This is what it means to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And if you can imagine this, Pete, this is not computing in Peter's head. Peter begins to put this together. What do you mean you're going to be crucified? What do you mean you're going to be handed over and falsely accused? Jesus, you've got a lot going for you. You can do miracles. You've got a big crowd that's following you. Everyone follows you on Twitter. You have an amazing platform. What are you doing, Jesus? Why would you throw that all away? And he take you are throwing away your shot, Jesus. And if you're going to throw away your shot, that means my shot gets thrown away too. And we can't have that. And Peter rebukes Jesus. I mean, this guy's got intestinal fortitude. He rebukes Jesus. And he actually makes some pretty good points. It would appear that Jesus would be thrown away so much to surrender to this kind of fate. And Jesus looks at Peter and he goes from being the teacher's pet to the class clown in one episode he says peter satan get thee behind me you don't have the mind you don't have in mind the things of god but the things of men peter wanted his shot to count and he didn't want jesus to throw it away and i think about the ways that we spend our life i think about the ways that we invest our resources of time and money and our relationships. I think about the ways that we live our lives wanting significance, wanting to live a life of purpose, wanting our shot to count. I've done this for the last few years. I have pulled away from social media. I've deleted the apps off of my phone. You know, we talk about how much power social media has over us. There's a little delete feature on your phone. Anything on your phone, you can delete. I don't know if you knew that or not. Anything in your phone, you can delete. And so, in Lent, this season leading up to Easter, it's a time where you try to reconnect with some spiritual disciplines and think about things differently. I said, I've got to unplug. And it's been very helpful, and and I'm debating on whether or not I'm going to reinstall that app on my phone today. I might not, but I'm going to have some awesome Easter pictures that I want to post those, which sort of makes the point I'm about to make is that... that, uh, The last few years has given us this phenomenon of the selfie. We we have these phones in our pocket, and we have easy access to put them up on the Internet. And so when something cool happens, we want to get a picture of that. Or when we eat something really good, we want to get our face down and whatever's on our plate. We want to post that on the internet because we know people on Twitter and Facebook and all the other platforms that I'm too old to use, we know they want to see those things. And so we run around, we taking selfies, and maybe we can win social media for one day. Maybe we can bring a little significance to our lives for one day. Most of these are harmless enough, but some people risk their life and their health for the winning selfie. In fact, I want to show you this lake in Novosibirsk, Siberia. I practiced that all week long. Novosibirsk, Siberia has this lake, and it's, it is, it's called the Siberian Maldives. And it has this turquoise color, and it looks you can see it here on the screen. And those of you watching online, you can, you can see the, the rich aqua blue uh, color that the, that the water has. And people like to come and they like to take pictures of this lake. They're fascinated by the color of the water. There's only one problem. This is not a naturally occurring phenomenon. This is a man-made phenomenon, and it's not very healthy for us. Up the river a little bit is a coal-burning power plant. And it takes all the way... This was a reservoir that was specifically built as a dump for all of the waste that this coal-burning power plant generates. And as the refuse from the power plant is dumped into this reservoir, it mixes with the water, and it gives the water this aqua blue color. The content of heavy metals in the water is so concentrated that if a little bit gets on your skin, it will cause a rash or a skin irritation. If it's ingested, that's certainly going to be harmful. And people uh, speculate that this has been the cause of cancer for a lot of people. And despite all those health risks that I just uh, mentioned for you, people in Siberia and in this part of Russia, they flock to this lake to have their picture made at Lake Novosibirsk. In fact, uh, here's, here's a, a couple that wanted to win the Internet for the day, and so they went to this lake, and they got their selfie made. Although, actually, I think this is called an ussy. All right, it's a little bit better than a selfie, I think. But here's a couple getting their ussy uh, at this toxic lake in Siberia, and the government has said, "Don't go; it's bad for your health." The, the power plant has said, "Don't go; it's bad for your health," and people continue to flock there to have their picture made to win the internet for the day. doesn't matter if you get a skin rash, or if you lose your eyesight, or if you get cancer. For one day on social media, the difference between your likes and the likes of the Kardashians is slightly less. Slightly less. Isn't it odd to think about the people that our culture tells us that we have to keep up with? But here we are. We're looking for the perfect picture. We're looking for the perfect selfie the truth is, it doesn't matter how many experiences we're able to pile up or how many winning days we're able to have on social media or who we keep up with. None of that matters in terms of our lives counting for the way God has designed for them to count. This is not the scorecard that defined the life of Jesus. Jesus played by a different scorecard. It was a scorecard that was in alignment with the will of the Father. Let me tell you what. If you're not familiar with the story of Jesus, let me summarize what he was all about. This is the scorecard that he played by. Jesus shows us what it's like to live a life that counts. He loved the unlovable. He welcomed the stranger. He went the extra mile for his friends. He forgave his enemies. Yeah, those people. And he submitted his life to the will of the Father. The biggest picture of this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if if there's any way that I don't have to go to the cross, that this cup of suffering can pass from me, would you reveal that? But ultimately, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. This is how Jesus models for us a life that counts. If you want your life to count, why don't we think about loving the unlovable? Why don't we think about welcoming the stranger? Why don't we think about going the extra mile? Why don't we think about forgiving our enemies? Why don't we think about submitting our lives to the will of the Father and trusting that He can do more with our lives than we could ever do on our own? The reason we don't is because that is not a winning formula in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's just not. Go to work, and and on your next evaluation, when you sit down with your direct report, at no point are they going to ask you, how many times did you forgive people that messed business up for us this year? They're probably not going to ask you that. How many times did you go the extra mile? How many times did you love the unlovable around here? We play by different scorecards. And as we play by these different scorecards, we pile up success after success and accolade after accolade because we don't want to throw away our shot. We want our life to count. We want it to matter. But what the cross and the resurrection does for us, it puts into focus what a life looks like that really matters for eternity. And so the, the, the greatest fear in this room is not that any of you would be a failure. This room is full of people with success and accolades. The greatest tragedy is not a life marked by failure, but friends, a life of succeeding at the wrong things. Have we spent our life succeeding at the wrong things? So I want you to fast forward two years. Here is uh, Jesus On the night before he was crucified, he's in the garden with his disciples and a mob comes to arrest him. And and, and this is the moment Peter sees it all playing out. This is the moment where Jesus throws away a shot and he's not gonna let it happen. And so he pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest who had come there to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, enough. This is not the scorecard we play by. This is not how we live our lives. And he picks up the ear of the man who had come to arrest him. And he puts it back on, and he heals him. And the the, the mob takes Jesus away. And lost and confused, the other disciples, they run and they hide, but, but Peter follows at a distance. He follows at a distance, just far enough away to not be brought in to the fray. And there he's in the courtyard. Jesus is being falsely accused at the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, and the trial, mock trial is going on. And, and there in the courtyard, he's warming his hands by a fire. And one by one, people begin to come up to him and they say, Aren't you a follower of Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? And then finally, a, a little slave girl comes up to him and says, Hey, I-, I heard you talk a little bit ago. You're from Galilee. Your accent gives you away. Aren't you one of his disciples? For the third time, Peter denies it, and he calls down curses on this little girl that's accused him of being Jesus' disciples. I don't know the man. I don't know who this is. I'm not a part of this. I'm not a part of this guy who's throwing his shot away. And then he hears the rooster crow, and then it comes back to him. Jesus said this was going to happen. I promised my fidelity, I promised my loyalty to Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, before the sun had risen, Peter had denied Jesus. (laughs) Talk about throwing away your shot. And so Jesus goes on and he stretches himself out on a cross, and he dies for us. And if you were here Friday night, you experienced just a sliver, just a small taste of what it must have been like for those disciples to watch their Lord and Messiah die on a cross. Death is the end. Death is final. No one comes back from crucifixion. And as we stumbled out of the room Friday night in darkness, with just disoriented and confused, It helps us understand a little bit of what the disciples must have been going through on Saturday. They've seen Jesus crucified. Everything they had put their hope in is suddenly lost. We had our shot and we lost it. What about you? What about your life? What about the sum of the choices that you've made? As you think about where you're at, is there, is there something missing? As you, as you think about the accolades that you've achieved and the successes you've had, is there something missing from all of that? And, and if so, you're not alone. I want you to think about Peter. Three years, he was in close proximity to Jesus. Jesus. For three years, he had a chance to learn what it was like to play by heaven's scorecard. And yet, when it mattered most, he pivoted to what he had always known, looking out for himself, making his shot count. But as you take stock of your life today, what is it about your gifts, what is it about your talents, what is it about your abilities, what is it about your life that God can use in his mission to save the world? What is it that he has given you that you can invest in things that matter for eternity? You see, this is how our shot counts. We look at a life that loves the unlovable, that forgives the enemy, that welcomes the stranger, that submits their life to the will of the Father, and this is the life we are called to live as well. And if your life has taken a different direction, and if you're being honest with yourself and you recognize that it's not in alignment with the will of God, I've got good news for you. It's the same good news that Peter heard as well. Because there on Saturday, he thought everything was lost. He thought he had thrown his shot away. He thought there was no hope for him. But then there was a knock at the door on Sunday morning. Peter rubs his eyes. Who in the world could that be at this time of the morning? And his friend John is there and they go to the door and it's Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene says, something's happened. I don't know what, but the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty and something crazy is going on and you've got to check it out. And I want to pick it up with with how John records this playing out. It's verse 3 of chapter 20. So Peter And the other disciple, that's John, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, which I have to pause here. John's the writer here. (laughs) Imagine they had a race. They had a race to see who would get to the tomb first. John outruns him. They get to the tomb and says, hey, Peter, I beat you. Peter says, I don't care. Who's going to know? And John says, oh, they'll know. They'll know. They'll know I got here first. Verse 5. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, thanks for that detail, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Oh, friends, the tomb was empty. This could only mean one thing, that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had done what no one had ever done before. Jesus wasn't crazy when he was telling them that he was going to rise from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. It wasn't over. He had not thrown away his shot. In fact, he modeled for us a life that makes the best and eternal use of their shot that they've been given. He shows us what it's like to live in covenant faithfulness to the Father and to submit their life to the Father. And because Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father, he raised him up. And Paul says in Philippians 2, He gave him a name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess on heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord he is risen. He is risen indeed. And there was hope for Peter, friends. And that means there's hope for us. There's hope for us. And Peter, who had experienced the pain of knowing he had betrayed Jesus, that he had denied Jesus, he encounters Jesus again. They're back at their old fishing spot. And the resurrected Christ comes to Peter And I love this encounter. Jesus easily could have said, Peter, I forgive you. Your sin is forgiven. You have the hope of eternal life. Now go, just be the best fisherman you can be. But he says something very different. He says, Peter, Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my lambs. And what Jesus is saying is because of this resurrection, Because I've conquered the grave on your behalf, I have a vocation for you. I have a mission for you. I have a plan for your life so that it counts and so that it counts for eternity and so that it matters. And Peter, this is the only way that your life is going to have any lasting significance is if you spend it feeding my lambs and being engaged in my mission and living the life that I've modeled for you. And friend, maybe you've heard this good news that Christ is risen before. This is probably a room full of people that you've had an Easter Sunday before. You've heard this before. But every year, I want to drill down even deeper. Even every year, I want to understand a different facet of this good news. And this year, as I think about what this news of the empty tomb means, it is not primarily that we will live eternally after we die. That sounds shocking, doesn't it? When I thought this was about eternal life, because Christ has been raised, we too will be raised. It is. But as I drill down on really what, what this means, that the tomb is empty, and as I think about how Peter was restored in that moment, what Jesus does in the resurrection is he fulfills the promise of John 10.10. 10. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And friend, what the, what, the, what the empty tomb means, it's not just a guarantee of life after death. It is a promise of abundant life today that never ends. It is a promise of abundant life today in which you live in the plan and the purposes of God in which you experience the joy and the satisfaction that comes from surrendering your life to the will of God. You walk in step with the Spirit. You surrender your life to God. You crucify your selfishness and your ambition and you embrace the things of God and you live an abundant life in step with Jesus every day. And one day your heart will stop beating and one day your lungs will stop filling in air. But that life that begins today it never ends it begins today friends this is the only way to make our shot count it's the only way to make our our shot count and so here's how we take the next step we recognize these three things about the resurrection because of the resurrection it redeems our failures this is what abundant life looks like a life of redeemed failures Because of the resurrection, our relationships are restored. We've been living by the scorecard of the world. We've made every decision that benefits us, and it has wrecked our relationships. But when you understand the good news of the resurrection, you begin to turn your life outwardly, and you begin to live for a different purpose, a purpose for God, and it restores your relationships. And finally, it redirects your life. It gives you meaning and purpose you are caught up in what god is doing to save the world and this is how your shot counts so how many of us are here and you'd say i need redemption from the mistakes that i've made i need restoration for the broken relationships in my life i need a a different direction the the, the trajectory of my life is going in a way that is contrary to the ways and the things of God and I need a new direction. I've got good news for you. He is risen. He is risen and the resurrected Christ wants to bring new life to us today. Today, today, is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, and this is the day where you make a decision that you're not going to throw away your shot. You have a chance, you have an opportunity to live aligned with the will of God. You have a chance and you have an opportunity to be transformed by the resurrected Christ You have a chance to love the unlovable, to forgive your enemies, to welcome strangers, to go the extra mile. You have a chance to live a life like no one else in your workplace, like no one else in your neighborhood, like no one else around you. This is your shot. And it won't be because of what you do, but it will be because of what Christ has done for you. And you saying to God today, I surrender. It's yours, God. My career, my talents, my abilities. I don't think God wants you to give those things up. He's given you those for a reason. But he wants you to surrender those to him so that they can be a platform that point people to him. And so... I'm gonna invite the worship team to come and, and we're gonna sing another song that celebrates this, this this good news of the resurrection. But before we do, I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want us to pray together. And would there be someone here today that would say, Okay, God, you win? Okay, God, I surrender. God, it's yours. My life is yours my career is yours, my family is yours, my money is yours, my time is yours. I want it all to count. And I don't want to throw it away. If that's you today, the first thing you need to do is to surrender your life to the lordship of Christ. And to invite him into your life as both your lord and your savior. And we do that by faith. Not in what we've done but trusting in what he has done for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this good news. We thank you that this life is not the end. And Lord, we thank you that our life matters today. Because of what you have done, because of what you want to do in us, it matters. And Lord, I pray for that person that is saying, I surrender, God, it's yours. I surrender to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to bring my life into alignment with the will of the Father. Lord, would you enter into our lives today? Would you hear this confession of faith? Father, would you transform us? Would you begin us on a journey in which we lay down our pride, we lay down our Agenda. We lay down who we are at your cross and we allow it to be crucified there so that a resurrected life might become a reality in us. Lord, I thank you for that man, that woman, that student that today is surrendering their life to you and putting their hope and their trust in you. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. You would give them a peace that they've never known before that you would begin, an awesome, begin writing an amazing story. An amazing story that points to you. Thank you that we don't have to throw away our shot. But through you, it counts for eternity. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the resurrected King, and all God's people said, Amen.